You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. Loyalty's my favorite characteristic of God, but finding it in it is hard. It's like trying to find God. You're the only one in your camp with cheese. You pay for everything they eat. Man, that insecurity is deep. Now I ain't said no names. These are just theories if you hear me, baby. It's home. You must admit it's kind of eerie, baby. Like them chemtrails in the sky. Happy Tuesday, everybody. As you can see, we are here a day with Trey, all right? Trey, again, is not here this week, and I'll be filling in. Shout out to my sister. In the meantime, we do have a great show for you today. We have the wonderful Chris Hopper. We'll be talking about the Black and Tan musical, okay? Um, shout out to Hillman City, Columbia City, my my city, my, my area of people. We'll be discussing the Black and Tan um, event that's coming up the the 15th and the 16th, so you don't want to miss that. But can we get into last night? Okay, so we Converge was out there at the Climate Pet Pledge Arena getting ready to watch the game between the Clippers and the Blazers. I wish I was there. And for those for those who know me, you know, when it comes to sports, I'm still calling ESPN Espen, but you got to work with me here, okay? Um, last night during the game, Converge was in the building and they played our documentary last night at the Climate Pledge Arena, okay? Let's run that clip, Daryl. You see, you see a lot of boys at these camps, but like just seeing like more and more girls start at a younger age, it, it, it makes me happy. We had to have fun, right? We cannot do this work without the necessary resources available so that our kids can thrive. Without resources, we can't see kids play and play to their potential. How we can ensure that basketball in our communities is sustainable. Funding is a big part of it. I think working with the right groups, and this is the opportunity I think that kickstarted that, and we're really excited about any opportunities to just keep moving it forward. It's just an awesome opportunity to show what this community can do, what basketball energy they can bring. Being able to work with the Seattle Sports Commission, work with the King County Play Equity Coalition, uh, we were able to bring big basketball energy to the Clinton Community Center and hopefully use this as a launching point and able to get more funding for them in the future. The kids get to see me, you know, all the rest of the guys. We did it all in the area of Washington, Seattle area, so being able to get back to them and uh, let them know that they can change their dreams too. This is a fundamental right of all kids, that they have the right to play, which isn't always available to all of our kids in our communities. The got next to ensure kids always have a place to play. What a feeling to watch that. I mean, shout out to O, shout out to the Factor Swins who are there. I know just probably watching that with community, talking about sports equity in our community is extremely important, um, let alone watching a game. And we ain't watched the game here in what, 20, 20 some odd years? So, I mean, it just goes to show that Black media matters. Our youth matters. And for Christ's sakes, bring back them Sonics. Stop playing with us. Please bring them back. I also seen the former coach that was there. Just so many community people that were out there. So shout out to everybody. Um, I want to get a Sonics jersey. So if anybody know where I can get one, because I'm going to be ready for the next summer, please. But in the meantime, we do got our show. Shout out to, uh, to O. Oh, I, I know that you were there. I can't wait to get your feedback on that as well. But coming up next... We have my guy here, Chris Harper. You're watching a day with you're watch you're gonna watch Chris Harper. You're watching a day with Trey. When we're back, everyone, welcome to a day with Trey. And my next guest needs no introduction. Family to community, right? But there is a play coming up, the Black and Tan musical for the 15th and the 16th, played at the Langston Hughes Theater. And I'm here to talk with the writer and the director of it today. Chris Harper, how you doing, brother? I'm doing pretty good. You Blessed. Know, I, 
as you came in, you spent, Chris came early, y'all. Most people don't come in early, but she was early, early. Right. But you spent the majority of the time looking at this wall. What does this wall mean to you? I want to just start with that. It means the world to me. Um, this is Seattle history all wrapped up here. Um, the Jackson Street Corridor, which um, is where the Black and Tan is lo was located. Um, the building still stands, but the Black and Tan, of course, closed in 1966. I'm just looking at Noodle Smith, um, this ladies' band here, um, the Great Al Smith Collection um, that's at Mohai. You can see um, through their archives. And the Great Duke Ellington, the Esquires, just the whole um, community, black, strong black community of the 1930s, roughly through the 1960s. When the black and tan was in operation yeah, I, just, I just had to just acknowledge that because you just say it for like the majority that were just watching it so you know in this black and tan musical it's so important bring, uh, bringing in our history to life what made you come up with this concept for it well actually that's a good question i um was doing some research on um the black and tan just because my older brothers and sisters had gone to the club right before it closed. And I wanted to know about the history of it, who founded it. And so when I um, was looking online, I read across E. Russell Noodle Smith, who was a very intriguing character to me because there's not a lot about him, just a little paragraph. So I started digging deeper and deeper and I got, came across a, um, a book written by Paul DeBarros, who I'll be walking with um, this, this coming weekend because we're doing a um, a walk for the down Chinatown for the jazz and Jackson Street corridor to start putting some markers there, so this important history is not forgotten. But I started going through his. I got a book from him of his, and I started doing the research there, and it just ballooned into this big, wonderful scenic um, of Seattle history from the era of Ray Charles, Quincy Jones, who all are graduates from Garfield. Um, Salute to Garfield for a hundred years. Okay. Um, I'm a little jealous, but anyway, um, just that and just all the stories. So I took the so I took that research, made it into a play, and and, and made the play about Russell Smith and his um, partners who were bright enough and rich enough men back in the early part of the 20th century to buy a nightclub. And also, he owned two hotels as well in the area. Oh wow! So okay, so that's 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 a lot of history, right? So was it really hard? Was it hard to find, like the his the history of the black and tan? Do you, I mean, I just noticed like a couple of years ago, people started like it started to resurface on like how to support black and tan, but I never really knew too much about the history. Yes. Oh, well, I had to do a lot of digging. Okay. But um, and of course we have the internet now, which is which beats library cards back in my day. Um, but. The thing is, is just as one thing led to another, I was finding a little bit, little and little more and more about Russell Little Smith um, and also um, Blackie Williams, who was his business partner. And then I also noticed that there was a lot of celebrities that, you know, even still alive today, like the great um, Quincy Jones that performed at the Black and Tan. Um, oh, wow. Aretha Franklin performed there at, at one time. And then my sister did a collection of paintings of all these greats who performed at the Black and Tan. Um, I think uh, one of the other performers there was um, George Benson and just, uh, you know, a, a group of a, a lot of people. And I was like, wow, Seattle was popping back in the 19, you know, 40s. And when this club was really jumping. And of course, you have this beautiful montage of photos that's evidence and history. And we don't want this history to be lost. Yeah. And, and then so 
So now it and it brings us here. You it, it brings us here. So the fifteenth and the sixteenth. But before we get into the the black and tan musical, what's your other history of writing plays and musicals? I did a play five years ago um, called Jefferson, Who Am I? That was also premiered at the Langston Hughes. They've been very generous to my organization, to me um, as individual artists, and also I want to give a shout out to the Department of Neighborhoods. They've been generous and for culture have been very generous. Jacob Smith, who works with for culture, um, pretty much financed my sister's art show that played at Mohai earlier this year in February. So we're looking forward to you know, continue partnerships with them and also with other institutions around Seattle. Yeah, but see, and that's that's amazing. So now now we're we're here. Can you tell me some of the the, the historians that have helped you get into the space? like of, of writing and directing basically i've always wanted to write and direct since i was a kid i just always noticed that the last person that was on the screen was the, in the list of credits was the director so that intrigued me about that position then of course i'm a movie buff i love steven spielberg films scorsese um also uh francis coppola's the godfather one of my favorite movies and not, it, not three though sorry oh, what? not godfather three Oh, oh, no, 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 not three. Uh, well, three is okay, but right. it's not it's not the original masterpiece. But anyway, I've always been intrigued with actors. I was an actor for a while. Um, I started with the Civil Light Opera okay. um, back in 1979. So now I'm aging myself. Here in Seattle. Here in Seattle. Okay. Yes. Um, and I've gotten I've done some plays as an actor, but my interest was always behind the scenes. And my passion is for writing and research. And that's the reason why a lot of my plays um, in this play as well span decades yeah and this little play before that jefferson spanned centuries because it's about black history yeah and and that is really important it seems like there was a big a, a race of what's been like of our community um over the years and yes with gentrification and and other things that have impacted our space right and it's so much more than just and, and shout out to cd but you know like i think people silo us there specifically but we have to be able to find our space so i'm just so happy to have you um, as as pretty much a compass to help navigate people to remember the black and tan, remember these things that were here. You you acknowledge some of the people on the wall. Can you tell us about a couple of the other people that you've seen? Um, <laughs> right here. I, it was uh, I'm sorry, it was so interesting. <laughs> yeah, I see a young Ernestine Anderson at the very top. And who is in Ernestine Anderson? Ernestine Anderson was a famous jazz singer from Seattle who also went to Garfield. She and Quincy Jones, along with Lionel Hampton and Ray Charles, all were in a band together. And so that's kind of interesting there. Um, there's quite a few um, photos here that I even use in the montage of my show. Okay. Duke Ellington right there. Yeah, and, I wish you know. I could look back, trying to look cute for the camera. <laughs> <But> <laughs> yeah, but, see. you know, it's it's just really interesting. And I wanted to keep this history alive in Seattle because it seems that, you know, there's an erasure there. And I want to make sure, along with Paul DeBarros, who also wrote the book that I did a lot of research um, with, you know, to keep this history alive, you know, along the Jackson Street Corridor, which we now know as the International District. Yeah, see, that is really important. So I do want to get into the cast with you. So we're going to get into talk a little bit about the cast and also how people can be able to support more of this because everybody's going to want more, especially with you bringing this history to us. So we're going to get into that in just a few. You are watching A Day with Trey. They're going to tell you about their experience, what they went through and what they seen as they participated both in the camp at Jackson, Mississippi, as well as the experience, the cultural experience in Montgomery, Alabama. The film is the cherry on top. The trip was what mattered the most. You heard these young kings talk about it. 
And um, you can always like make a difference in somebody's life by just talking to them. To be kind and spread love to one another. It just means so much to all of us, really, that we're a part of that trip, that you are all here to see it, because it was very impactful. I don't think anybody came back the same person that they were when they left for the trip. These are opportunities we want to continue to offer because we are a family. We as a collective can drive the change that's needed to see baseball in West Jackson. It's up to y'all, right? So we're here as conduits to really help support you and really elevate the promise that you have to see baseball back in our community. And it's up to y'all, right, that's going to be that voice of reason and that's going to talk to the community about what you need. You're watching The Day with Trey. I'm here with the writer and director of the Black and Tan musical, Chris Harper. What's up, brother? Again. How you doing again? <laughs> I to take a quick break. I need some water. But um, I wanted to ask you, you know, so the play is here. We're weeks away. Tell mm -hmm. us about this cast. Uh, we have a very high energy cast. I would like to say um, we have um, a couple of griots um, that do poetry. Um, we have a dynamic choreographer. This is her first play choreographing, and she's doing a fabulous job. We have a lot of young talent on this, and that's one of the things that excites me about doing these type of plays and doing any type of artistic um, um, venture is the fact that you can bring along people who are young and uh, talented and want to um, expand and want to learn and also grow in their craft. And we're doing all of that. We had a wonderful table read last night. Um, it was our final table read, so now we're in the we're going to be in the theater rehearsing, and it's all coming together beautifully. That is amazing. Now, you know how is it? How does it feel to be bringing this to life? To be bringing it's like you're pretty much saying, "Remember us," right? You know what I mean? Yes, exactly. And this is stuff that we're not taught in school. So, you know, after doing the research and forming the characters and writing the play, it's beautiful to see people actually reading your words and emulating the characters and the people who actually really live. That's the one thing that's different about this play than the last play is that these are these people actually really lived. So it's kind of cool to kind of take a little peek down memory lane and, and kind of imagine what life was like in the, in the days of the forties and, and thirties and fifties when the black and tan was really striving. It was really a, a, a well-known club um, for a long time in Seattle, even after it shut, shut its doors officially in 1966. It was still a a club that people went to. Do we know why it shut down? Um, basically, there, it's very murky about that. Um, I think it's just one of those things where either there was finance financial um, difficulties, but it, this I would like to say that it didn't really shut down. It sort of faded away more wow. than anything else. Well, thank God for someone like you to keep it keep it coming, bringing it back to life, right? You know, right. I think that's so important. Keep, and the Esquires, you know, even yeah. were part of that. And so we still have that. We have the Esquire Club um, here. We have the Black Elks as well mm -hmm. that have their their um, their their club there in, in Rainier Beach. So the Black um, Club scene is still very much um, alive in that aspect, although it can always we can always have more. Yeah. Yeah, we could. We could add more. Um, and I wanted to know a little bit more about what's what about that first play that you did? Yeah, um, Jefferson um, basically is about um, a slave ghost that, that accosts um, one of the founding fathers in the afterlife. 
and confronts him, um, basically Thomas Jefferson. Mm -hmm. And he's a distant relative to Sally Hemming, who was, as we know, was um, Jefferson's uh, mistress. And so he right. says, well, since you did this to my distant cousin and our ancestor, then this is what black folks went through. Basically, at the end of Jefferson's life, he freed the, the um, children he had with Sally Hemi, but he never freed the slaves. Right. So he was a big hypocrite and a coward, in my opinion. But this play just kind of explores black history all the way back from um, pre-colonial when we were Moors and all that in Africa. And then how we got accosted and, and enslaved here on American soil and then where we're at today and, and how far we've come and where we need to go from there. Yeah. And, and what was it like doing that play? Right. Because that, like that was your first go round. You know what I mean? So yeah. what was it was that? exciting. It was, I was, I was scared half to death. It was intimidating, but we pulled it through. We didn't, in my opinion, I would have liked to have more um, time for rehearsals, but you know, we were on a tight schedule, but we pulled it off. And I think that a lot of the people who were on that play bought their best to it. And with the time that we had, and we we pulled it, we pulled it off, and it was a relief to me to say, okay, well, this is where I need to be. This is what I've wanted to do my whole life. My passion is for writing. I love to direct, and so it was a great experience for me. But it was a it was a very uh, I learned a lot. I'll put it yeah. that way. Yeah, and and I mean, but it has to be a lot for you, right? Because like as a writer, right? Do you do you feel sometimes that? How do you feel about like black writers and directors in the areas of plays here? Do you think that we get do you think that they get support? Well, um, there's been a, a long time of non-support. I would say that um, I'm seeing now that there are more BIPOC um, pro, um, projects that are being greenlit. And that's a great thing because so many of us have different voices and stories to be told. But we always see it from one point of view, which is usually through the white gaze mm -hmm. and to see it through the gaze of people who actually lived it and, you know, who look like you and I. Can you, you, know? can, you can you break down a little bit of the white gaze for some community members who don't know? OK, the white gaze basically is from the white point of view. Um, you know, a lot of times white people will write for black people, what they think that we would say. Um the dialogue, you know, and a lot of times when I'm looking at some of these films and some of and I can tell it's written by a white person. I would just, I'm kind of cringing like that's not how that conversation would transpire. So that's why there's an, an importance for black writers. Also, it's important for us to tell our stories from our point of view because we actually lived it. Right. Versus someone else who can kind of fantasize and think, oh, well, maybe this is how this would have gone down. No, you don't know that because you're not us. So how can you really say that? Right. And so that's kind of, the, it's kind of the thing where, you know, Hollywood whitewashes things um, to a degree, instead of hiring, you know, actors of color or trans actors to play trans people, they hire a male right. to play a trans person. Why not hire a trans um, actor to play that or actress? Um, that's why the work of Ryan Murphy and people in Hollywood now who are, really trying to break down barriers and 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 they need writers to, to tell these stories because every things that are told through the gaze of the people who are not of that culture gets watered down and it gets retold then next thing you know it gets recycled and then it's totally not what it what it actually is and it's not authentic I can say, for instance, the story of the Titanic, for instance, just giving you an example, is a story that's told through the white case, but it's been told so many different times. Why not tell the story about the guy that was on the Titanic who was Haitian? Yeah, right. You know, and who drowned with the others. You know, we never we never get to see that. So I'm really believe that Seattle is really trying to 
change the narrative now and buy and give BIPOC and pe black indigenous people of color um, a chance and an opportunity to tell our own stories. Absolutely. And I think that um, one of the main spaces that has always been open to do that is Langston Hughes. That's correct. Can you tell me what it is, what is it having that partnership with Langston Hughes? What it, how do you feel within that space, knowing that they have always been advocating to uplift community voices what is that i think it's a beautiful thing i think it's great that we still have a institution in the central area that are allowing our voices to be heard giving us a space to rehearse um open up to the community where they are sponsoring like my show which is a free community event and we do feed you guys by the way on right. opening night all right just okay. throw that in there but um yeah, so that's very important, and it's of es it's of essential essence that we retain that because you know without Langston Hughes, a lot of these stories and shows um, will not will not be told or not be seen or would have the opportunity, um, you know, to be put on display as as we're doing. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I, I when I think of the early days, I went to New Hope back down the street so we would go mm -hmm. after church there would be some type of play that were there that was there and we would just always just participate in whatever was there their summer program so i just think think back to those memories and it just and watching you go into this space and having the musical it's just full circle and just it really just appreciated how not only inclusive but um but how much a compass the Langston Hughes is still still is for community members. So shout out to the Central District. Shout out to Langston exactly. Hughes. Yes, very that. much so. You know, I do want to know too. Um, so you, are wonderful writer, but even outside of that, who inspires you? Tell me, family member, friend, community people. Is there anybody out there that you're just like, you know, I appreciate. You know, you want to shout them out. Oh yeah, um, there's a lot of people. That, too yeah, long of a list. You know, we but, got we got time. Yeah, but yeah, of <laughs> course. But um, you know, if 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 you look on a national um level, um, Spike Lee, okay. um, the great Spike Lee, the, the independent um filmmaker that he has become, and has shown us that you know we can make our own movies, raise our own money. Um, he's been a, a great inspiration for me from the very first film of Do the Right Thing. Um, I think you should have won the pop. She gotta have it. Yeah. She gotta have oh, it yeah. She's one. gotta have it. But do the right thing. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah. Thank you for correcting me. Do the right thing. Um, definitely should have won the Palm Dior at the Cannes Film Festival. Um, that movie is still relevant to this day. On a more local level, I would say that Isaiah Anderson and the work that he's doing with the youth here, yeah. um, has been a great inspiration and has you know sparked me to do, you know, to give me the extra push that I need to do what I do. Um, and to, you know, if things start off locally and hopefully they will get bigger and we'll continue to do this, we'll bring other people along, we'll have more voices out there. And I'm all for that. But um, my family inspires me. Yeah, and um, you, your family has a history yeah. <laughs> of being ingrained in community. Can you exactly. Tell us a little a tad about that? Yeah, sure. Yeah. We, we sing as a choir um, as, as youth. Um, Around the city, there's 13 of, the, of us. Hold on, wait, um, I, I thought it was five. It's 13? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes, there is. And um, we sang in a choir through Mount Zion Baptist Church. Um, we're big in church that way. Then we did a, all did a play together called Showboat. Okay. That's when I kind of got the acting bug, as they call it. And um, Showboat, Old Man River Showboat? Yes. Okay. The, 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 I was yeah. in that play, too. Yeah. At the Paramount. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 So you know all about it. Yes. Well, anyway, that's where I got the acting bug. And then I've had a lot of support from my friends. You know, I used to write um, 
you know, uh, screenplays uh, when I was in high school. And they would, I would read it to them and they would be, yeah, Chris, I like that, but you can change this part. And I wrote one about black gangsters, which kind of uh, brings me to the black and tan, which, you know, writing about Noodle Smith, um, we don't go into great detail, but, you know, Noodle Smith did have a kind of a shady side, if you want to say it that way. But he was a brilliant, brilliant um, entrepreneur and did a lot for the community. It had a heart of gold. So what's his real name, Noodle Smith? Noodle Smith, or what did he have? A, did he? Yes, he does have a real name, and I won't reveal it yet. Okay. You got to go see the play. <laughs> okay, I, I really can't wait to see this play. Now, I'm just so happy to have you here, but I want community to know what's going to be happening October 15th and 16th. So if you can do me a favor, about a minute, just look in the camera and let people know what's coming up next and how we can support. Okay, well, what's coming up is my play. It's, a, it's the Black and Tan musical. They'll be playing at the Langston Hughes um, from October 15th through the 16th. October 15th is opening night at 7.30, and there's a banquet afterwards. And then the next night would be a matinee, and it starts at 4 o'clock. Doors open at 3. You know, I'm so happy that you came here, Chris. I appreciate you, the work that you do. You know I'm coming. I'm not coming for the buffet. I'm coming to support. You know, okay. you I'm always eating, but I appreciate I appreciate you coming. I appreciate your acknowledgement of this mural. Just watching you look at it um, just made me think about uh, Owen Trey and the producers that work here and how, how important this mural is and how important our history is in this community. And for you to be bringing it back to life, uh, bringing it, bringing not just back to life, but back to community attention is so important. And, um, you know, we see each other in passing, but um, you inspire me. Um, oh, thank and you. That is, and, and please, uh, anything that we here can do to support and uplift this, please let us know. We thank you. Well, it's been my pleasure. Thank yes. you so much. Thank you so much. Now, Chris is an amazing guest. We got a jam-packed show for tomorrow. But tonight, y'all, we got the Truth With Proof at 8, okay? And don't forget, we're going to be at the Paramount next week. So don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Thank you for joining the day with Trey. You guys have a blessed day. Converge Media produces culturally relevant content for black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.